I love what the kids did, aren't you? don't you? Amen. Thank God for that. Wonderful, wonderful. Amen. Bryce and April, y'all did good too. Amen. I really like that they read from the Bible. I think it's so important. Um, it's be- I think it's better than reading from a piece of paper. I-, I-, I love it that they had the book in their hand. Praise God for that. Again, you young people, I want to encourage you, help me out, parents, and that uh, when we get our Bibles out, I hope they get their Bibles out too. When, when uh, we opened our Bible to today, Genesis chapter 17, I hope that they also uh, turn, their, turn their Bibles to Genesis chapter number 17. That is the beginning of learning the Bible. I remember as a young boy growing up in church that uh, that's when I started getting familiar with the Bible. Um, I remember seeing how fast I could find it. Um, but it's good. It's so important. It's, it's corporate worship, being together and singing and praying and listening, coming together under the, the authority and the sound of the Word of God is so important to the Christian life. And it's so important that our young people begin to learn that and begin to get in the habit of, of when we sing as a congregation, I want to encourage them. You know, those conversations can happen before and after service. You know, like, hey, when we, when we stand up to sing, I want you to sing with us this time. And start, start raising them. There's something about that word, isn't it? Raising your children, teaching and training your children. Uh, and we, it's so important to teach them and train them uh, in public worship. Like when, just the other day, Avery asked me and Brittany, um, do I have to uh, bow my head and close my eyes when I pray? And I said, well, no, you don't have to. Like sometimes you might be driving or Avery on your bicycle. You can pray and ride your bicycle at the same time. But I wouldn't uh, ride my bicycle with my eyes closed at the same time. But I told her, no, you don't always have to. But I said, sometimes it's appropriate to pray with your eyes closed. You know, sometimes when you're alone and you're really praying, it's, it's natural to close your eyes, isn't it? Or maybe I told her in public worship, when we all bow our head, we're all closing our eyes. You know, someone's praying to God Someone is leading us in prayer, and it's important. That teaches young people about prayer, about someone's praying. I told her, like in a public setting, yeah, that would be in a time that when someone's leading us in prayer, it's out of respect to God, out of respect that we're all praying. And I encourage you, don't just, don't, don't, let, don't just let that be an exercise. You know, when someone's praying, we all pray. They're leading us in prayer. Don't just listen to someone pray. So as a believer, you can pray too. But it's important that children, yeah, when, when one of us pray, leads us in prayer, that'd be a great time, young person. Bow your head too, close your eyes, and pray. Amen? It's so important to grow, isn't it? It certainly is. We're proud of our young people. We're proud of what God has done in their life. We praise the Lord for that. Avery, of course, has just recently made a profession of faith. She'll be getting baptized the 25th of this month. I'm so happy to hear Whitney said that Bella also... Gave her heart to Jesus, so we're so thankful for what God is doing. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, Genesis chapter number 17. Genesis chapter 17. Let's read verses 1 through 14. Excuse me, 1 through 8. And then we're going to skip for now verses 9 through 14. And we're going to pick up back at verse 15. 
So Genesis chapter 17, here the Lord appears to Abraham once more. Genesis chapter 17, verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, let's begin. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. Now remember, still, Abraham and Sarah have not had a child yet. 99 years old. He's been waiting a long time, hasn't he? Verse 3, And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is, is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations, I have made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful. And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And that covenant remains. It's an everlasting covenant. Verse 8, I will give unto thee and thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall, be, shall her name be. I will bless her. I will give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. That sounds wonderful, don't it? The Lord loves His people. And she shall be a mother of nations, of kings. Kings of people shall be of her. And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is 99 years old, bear, 90 years old, bear? Well, think of this. God says she's going to have a baby. She's 90 years old. Abraham is 99 years old, and they're still childless. In verse 18, And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. Now we have a name. No, no kid yet, but we have a name. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Young people, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this service already. Thank you for this place of worship. Thank you, Lord, for already the praise, the fellowship, the Bible learning... Lord, that we've experienced. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for what you'll do through this sermon. Bless, Lord Jesus, this moment in time. Bless us by your word. Lord, help us to learn, to grow. And Lord, by your spirit, please apply this truth today to our hearts. That we, Lord, that we don't leave empty, but we leave full. We don't leave the same, but we leave changed. Lord, remind us how this change will come about. It will come about through repentance and faith. 
Help us to turn from our ways and to believe and trust your word. Most of all, we pray if there's anyone, Lord, who's never been born again, that today will be the day they repent and believe the gospel and receive you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, they open their heart, they call upon your name, and Lord, they confess you as Lord. Lord, I pray today will be that day for some soul. Forgive me of my sins, wash me in your blood, help me to preach. In Christ, Lord, your name, we ask these things. Amen. So Abraham's 99 and Sarah's 90. Now remember, up to this point, they've tried every possible human way to have a child. They've done everything they know to do. They've tried natural conception, obviously. They've been waiting a long time, haven't they? God says, I'm going to keep my word. They've tried legal adoption. Remember, they tried to make Eleazar the servant of Abraham. They tried to adopt him. Praise God for adoption, amen? That God here wanted his covenant to go through Abraham, through his biological seed. So they tried they tried naturally, they've tried legally, they even tried, we just learned last Sunday morning, they've tried through Hagar, have a surrogacy, have a, she was going to bear a child, and she did, Ishmael. Even Abraham in verse number 18 said, oh, the Ishmael might live before thee. He's trying again. Abraham's trying to help God. Hey, listen, God don't need your help. God needs you to follow him and believe him. So they've tried natural conception, they've tried legal adoption, they've tried a surrogacy through Hagar. And all this time, yet they wait. And God let all the promises of the covenant become impossible for Sarah and Abraham to achieve. God allowed it to become impossible. It's as if God has been saying, He's been letting all this play out to remove any human possibility to take any credit that Abraham or Ishmael or Sarah or Eleazar or no one can take any credit at all for what God is going to do through his covenant. Remember, it is, God said, it is my covenant with you. God is the only one that can keep the covenant. God will be the reason of the covenant. God will be the designer of the covenant. God it will establish his own covenant. And so the context here is that Abraham and Sarah cannot do what God alone can do. That Abraham and Sarah cannot perform, accomplish, or come to terms with the covenant of God. Abraham and Sarah will have no credit whatsoever in the covenant. It will come from a dead womb. It'll come in an old age. It'll be established so no human credit can be taken. So alone, God alone will be the author of it. That He alone will be the reason of it. Sounds like grace, don't it? It sounds like salvation, don't it? It is. Not through works of righteousness which we have done. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, for it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. 
If we should boast, let it be in the cross of Christ, as Avery said, who loved us and gave himself for us. We did absolutely nothing. That's why we worship him. That's why we say praise the Lord. We don't say praise ourselves. We don't say, boy, I'm glad me and Jesus figured it out. We don't do that, do we? No, it is by grace alone that you are saved. It is by His new covenant that you are born again. You did nothing, did you? You just believed in the work that Christ has done. You might say, well, I came to Jesus because He made Himself available to you. You say, well, I surrendered to Him, yes, because He said, come unto me. And isn't that it bring us a lot of hope, especially if you're struggling today, you're an unbeliever, or you've not been saved, and you're not a Christian. You don't have to do anything. You can't do anything if you could. There's nothing you could do to save yourself. There's nothing you can do. God's blessings come through grace alone. It's not by works. If it was by works, then it would cease to be by grace. But it is by grace, therefore it's not by works. And since it's by grace, it must come through faith. Because faith is the end of yourselves and is the beginning of God. Faith only comes when every human possibility has been exhausted. Every human merit can no longer be claimed. Faith is the end of you. And therefore Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. He just believed what God could do. He believed that God alone can do it. And that's the case, isn't it? Amen? And so, the context here is that Abraham and Sarah, God let it on purpose drag out. On purpose. Naturally, God says no. Legally, God says no. Through surrogacy, God says no. It's almost like that God don't want Sarah and Abraham to have a baby, isn't it? Because He don't want Abraham and Sarah to have a baby without credit going to God. So the context here is that God wants to teach Abraham, and now our application, and let it be what you learn today, that... This is a very, 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 very important concept that God wants Abraham and Sarah to believe and you and I to apply to our lives. That you are not God. He alone is. So God makes it impossible for them God corners them into the realm of impossibility. So they will know that He alone is God. They are not God. There is only one Lord, and it's not you. He alone is God. You aren't. There's a lot of people who think that they're their own Lord. Only the Lord is the Lord. Amen. So a very, very important concept. Abraham, Sarah, you are not the Lord. It is in this context that God reveals a very important attribute about Himself. God gives, he, 
he reveals a name for himself. The name in Hebrew, it is called El Shaddai. It is in verse number 1 where God says, I am the Almighty God. It is in the context of human impossibility that God chooses to reveal this characteristic of Himself. In the realm of frustration, in the, in the same context where God says, you're going to have a child, but they haven't had one. And Abraham's 99 and Sarah's 90. And in that setting, God reveals a name about Himself and He calls Himself the Almighty God. Notice the language in verse number 2. I will make my covenant. Look at verse number 6. I will make thee exceeding fruitful. I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. What is God saying? You're not going to do it. I'm going to do it. I alone will do this. Why? God is saying, I am the almighty God. You see, Abraham and God had two different plans. Abraham's plan has been rejected. It's been thwarted. It's been frustrated. It's been dead-ended, hasn't it? No, it's not going to be Eleazar. No, it's not going to be Ishmael. No, it's not going to be through natural conception. It's, I'm going to wait until Sarah's womb is dead and you're 99 years old because I am the Almighty God. The Almighty One. And Abraham is learning a very, very important concept. That you will take no credit in this everlasting covenant. That I alone am God. So God is introducing Himself as the Almighty One. I like uh, Phil Robertson. We might, man, we might not share the same denomination, but I like the way he says, you know, Duck Dynasty, he says when he speaks about God, he refers to Him as the Almighty. And I think it would be important for us to be reminded of that from time to time when your life isn't going like you think it is and things aren't suiting the way you suiting them according to your expectations that you are not the Almighty God. He is the Almighty One. He might have a different plan for you than what you have. And your life might be frustrated and it might not be going according to your plans, but it might be because your plans are not God's plans. That your ways are not His ways and your thoughts are not His thoughts. And you know why He can do that? Because you are not the Almighty One. You're not God and He is. He alone is the Lord and it is not you. He is the Almighty. The Almighty God. The Bible speaks a lot about this. Just for a few passages that might, you might want to reference. Young people, Psalms 115 and verse number 3. The Bible says this about himself. God says this about himself. But our God is in the heavens. He, listen carefully, He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. He does whatever He wants to do. He is the Almighty God. God is in the heavens. Are you? Have you ever asked yourself that while, while you're not seated at a position of authority, 
Have you ever asked yourself or wondered this question? Why it is that you, your life seems to be out of control or that you are in no control of it? That might be a better way to put it. That you are a victim, some would say circumstances, but really you are a victim, and thank God for it, you are a victim to providence. You are a victim to God's sovereignty. Do you know that He is the Almighty One and you're not? And the quicker that you and I submit under that truth, the quicker we will be at peace with the will of God for our life. You are not God. So God acts in the realm of impossibilities, don't He? God acts when you can't. God does what you're unable to do. God supplies what you're unable to supply. God has authority that you don't have. God does what He wants to when He wants to. And the best way for us to cope with the uncertainties of life is to trust in the certainty of the Almighty. He is the Almighty God. And it's not you. Amen? Do you sit in the heavens? Do you do whatsoever you please? Are you in charge? Can't we admit by now, some of us we've lived long enough to know, that we are not in control, are we? Then we should trust in the one who is. Because he is the almighty God. And the, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 1, verse number 11, the word of God says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated, according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. God worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Who is in charge? The Almighty God. The Almighty One is. I was telling uh, our Wednesday night crowd while you're turning to uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter number 39, chapter number 40. I was telling our Wednesday night crowd uh, a few weeks ago, well, it's November now, some of you might know it, we had a termite issue at our house. You ever had termites in your house? That's an awful experience, isn't it? I thought I was just doing a little water repair from a water rot going in behind our siding, and I took the siding off. I guess the rot brought the termites in, and I took that one board out, and I'm telling you, I saw a thousand of them in there, and my heart sank. I'd Listen, I'd rather have Jesus than houses and land, wouldn't you? But when you get termites in your house, I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me now. And so there we went on the big journey, you know. If you're like me, I was a little bit stressed. You know why I was stressed? Because I just didn't want to deal with that then. You know? I realized then, Ruth, oh, I know what I'm going to be doing now. And I did not want to do this. I think it was a night or so later I told Brittany, and I think Brother Bill, I was saying it, so it would comfort me. I told her, because of this truth, you say, how does this help my life? And here's how it does with termites and a thousand other different calamities that you'll face. I told Brittany that, you know, this must be what God wants us to deal with right now. And some of you might think, well, how in the world does God want a Christian to have termites? Do you know that God can use things according to His own will? Do you know that 
God can use termites to help this preacher realize that my treasure is not in houses? Do you know that God can use termites this preacher's prayer life? Do you know that God can use termites to remind me of the passage that Jesus said because His Word reminded in my heart is more important than not having termites? When I told Brittany, my dear wife, I told her that our treasure is in heaven where moth, does not cor- where moth does not eat away and rust does not corrupt. That one day my home will be a home where there will be no more termites. God can use all things according to His own will. And it reminded me and gave me hope. Listen carefully. If God brought termites to my home, then God will get me through it. If God knows about it and God allowed it and God worketh all things out to the counsel of His own will, then God has a plan and a purpose and God's plan and purpose is comforting in times of need. Amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 40. The Bible says in verse 13, Isaiah 40, you still with me? Listen carefully. God worketh all things out according to the counsel of His own will. All things. Isaiah 40, verse number 13. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or being His counselor, hath taught Him? Have you ever taught God anything? Has God ever asked you your advice? Has God ever said, I'd like to run something by you and see if it's okay with you? Has God ever called you or texted you on the phone and asked you what He should do about your life? He hasn't, has He? Who hath taught Him? Who's directed His Spirit? Or been His counselor? Verse 14, Isaiah 40 With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way? Twenty-five. To whom will you liken me, or shall I be equal? He is the Almighty God. Why did God not let Eleazar be the heir? Why did God not let Ishmael be the heir? Why did God not let Sarah and Abraham conceive naturally? Job out of the whirlwind. Job 38, verse number 3. God says, Maybe you're struggling with something right now. I doubt any of us are struggling like Job is or did. God asks Job in the midst of his struggle and he encourages him. Verse number 3. Gird up now thy loins like a man. I will demand of thee and answer thou me, God asks. 
mean, God asked him a question. Remember, he's the Almighty God. Where was thou when I had when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. God's asking Job, where were you at when I measured out how big the universe would be? When I dug the footers of the Milky Way, Job, you answered me. Where were you at then? Did I ask for counsel? Did you teach me? Did you direct me? Verse 5, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Job, did you lay the cornerstone of the universe when I built it? What is God teaching us? He is the Almighty God. Amen. Amen. He's the church. <coughs> Isn't that comforting? He's in charge. Psalms chapter 13, Job 39. I love this one. You horse people like this. I've never thought about a horse the same way after I read this passage. Job, hast thou given a horse strength? Hast thou closed his neck in thunder? Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. He paweth in the valley. And rejoiceth in his strength. He goeth up to meet the army. He mocketh at fear. He's not frightened, neither turneth he back from the sword. The quiver rattled against him, the glittering spear and the shield. He swallowed the ground with fierceness and rage. Neither believeth he that is the sound of a trumpet. He saith among the trumpets. The horse says, Ha ha. He smelled the battle far off. The thunder of the captains was shouting. Doth the heart fly by thy wisdom? Do birds fly by your wisdom? Stretch out their wings toward the south. Verse 27. Doth the eagle mount up at thy command? Make a rest upon high. You're in charge of nothing. Nothing. Our frustration comes through life from this. We have our own will, and God has another will. And our frustration lies in the fact that we are failing to recognize that He is the Almighty God. Our lack of peace and comfort in times of trouble is a faith problem that fails to realize and believe that He is the Almighty One. God just has a different plan. Last one. Job 40, verse 2. Shalt thou contend with the Almighty? Instruct him? He that reproved God, let him answer. God, in Genesis chapter number 17, in the context of human impossibility, is that you today? Reveals himself for the first time in Scripture as El Shaddai. The Almighty God. God can do the impossible in your life. God can do the unthinkable. When your life is hard to bear, you trust Him, wait upon the Lord. Where were you at when He laid the cornerstone of the universe? Has He ever asked for advice? 
Has he ever sought your counsel? He is the one that sits in the heavens. He is the one that does what he pleases. He is the one who acts out of the counsel of his own will. He's the one that does his good pleasure. You might be in the deepest struggle of your life. You might have termites. You might have a kidney stone. You might have cancer. You might be going bankrupt. He is the Almighty God. This is why I'm closing. It is so imperative that you're a Christian. It is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. The Almighty One. Woe unto the man the Bible says that strives against his maker, but clenches his fist and blames God of evil, who accuses God of, of, uh, of wickedness, who says that God is, is, is unable. Can he that is formed say to the one who created him, Why hast thou made me such? From what position of authority do you have to say that God is a liar, or God is wrong, or God has made a mistake, or God is unloving, or God is indifferent, or God is incapable? Can he, you, who's been formed by the one who formed you, blame God for some atrocity? Woe to the one striving against his maker. Lay down your arms. Surrender. And submit to the Almighty God. One day, everyone will. One day, every knee will bow. One day, every tongue will confess. One day, every mouth will be stopped. One day, all will see. One day, everyone, everyone will recognize He is Lord to the glory of God. There is none else beside him. We're all under his realm and his authority. This morning, if you haven't surrendered to God, if you've not submitted under his authority, you are a rebel. If you haven't surrendered to the Almighty God, you are lost and you are doomed. How do I know God? This Almighty God is also, as our young people said, loving. And for God, did Jacob say it? Did you say it, Jacob? John 3, 16, he did, didn't he? For God so, the Almighty God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth upon him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. The Almighty God died on Mount Calvary. The Almighty God arose from the dead. The Almighty God, the Almighty Spirit today says, Come. Yeah, come. There's only one way to know God. There's only one way to escape His wrath. And that is to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Can I tell you one more? I'm not through, I promise. 
Abram and she was peacefully mourning for him. She asked him, she said, How do I know I can come? How do I know it's time? I think that's what she said. How do I know? How do I know? Two questions. How do I know that today is the day? And I referred to her, and I don't know if she knew it yet, she'll learn. That nobody can come to Jesus except the Father in heaven draw him. So this infinitely powerful God of all creation draws you, doesn't he? This is true for every believer, isn't it? This is true for every Christian. It's without exception. There is no one who did not come this way. Praise God for what he's done. Amen. The Almighty God, the everlasting from everlasting, the Ancient of Days, the Eternal God. He said, You come to me. What a glorious invitation! What a loving gesture that God, the Almighty One, would think of you, that He would consider you. That God would consider a lowly person like me. And Avery's wondering how she would know. And I said, it works like this way. Imagine there's a little string tied around your waist. And the Holy Spirit is pulling the string in me. And he's saying, you come to me. It's not a violent force. He's not shoving you along. But you feel a little tug, don't you? That God, the Holy Spirit, is saying, come to me. I said, it's like me, maybe it'll let a slight vacuum, and there's a little drift in the current. Is this happening to you? Is this your experience right now? And <coughs> praise God, He is drawing you. He is calling you. He is saying, come to me. And there's a little current in your heart. And the Lord is pulling you along. It's like in John chapter 3 where Jesus says, so is everyone born of the Spirit. It's like a wind. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's going. But we see the effects of it. And we see what God is doing. And is that what God is doing you today? In spite of all your sins, in spite of all your mistakes, you're just like Abraham. No one knows your name. You're from the Earth of Chaldees. No one considers you. Then all of a sudden, the Almighty God, He appears out of nowhere to you, a supposed stranger, and He draws you from the Earth of Chaldees. And he says, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to rename you. You will no longer be called Abram. I'm going to call you Isaac. I'm going to do something with your life. I'm going to give you a new land. I'm going to give you an eternal promise. I'm going to make an eternal and everlasting covenant. Who can do something like this? Amen. Only the Almighty can. Is that what's happened to you? Out of nowhere, the Lord appears. Is there a string around your heart? And is the Almighty pulling it to Himself? Here's what I would not do. I wouldn't run from Him. I wouldn't depart here from this. I wouldn't turn my back on Him. I wouldn't reject His plea. I would say no to his spirit. I would just follow the string of grace. 
I would just let him pull you all the way to Jesus. I would just let him cleanse you, wash you of all your sins. Because, as we close, only he can do what you have never been able to do. Only he can change the leper's spots. Only he can make it white as snow. Though you were red like crimson, you shall be white as blue. Only he can sober you. Only he can forgive you and cleanse you. Only he can make a drunkard man sober, a crooked man straight, a dirty soul clean. Only he can the Almighty. I love him, don't you? Amen. Who am I knew that he is mindful of us? Who are we that he would think of us? His grace is magnified by saving sinners like me and you. Me and my mother were talking. We sing a song. Died for such a worm as I. And worms are nasty. I was the dirtiest one of them all. My daughters say, you know, it's raining a lot. Go rain some more. There was a worm on our little parkour in the house. And Maddie went, ooh, worm. <laughs> I said, they come up when the ground so wet. And I thought about, there I am. There I am. The Jesus died for me. This morning, as we stand at our feet, if you're like Avery, and there's like a little string tied around your soul, and he's gently pulling you to Jesus. Then why don't you just step on out? As we say, why don't you just come to the end of yourself? Why don't you just surrender? Why don't you just believe, repent, and turn to Jesus? The Almighty who has started this process will not turn you away. This is his will. This is the effects. He's doing it right now. He's beginning a process in you. And if you'll come to him, he'll know why it's past you. Maybe you're a Christian and you're struggling with life hard right now. Listen, maybe your will isn't his will. Maybe you come to the end of human possibility. Maybe your prize is not what you want. But maybe your treasure is in God and not in earthly things. Trust. The Almighty. Amen. Listen.